0: Some full service radio.
1: Full
2: service radio. Full service.
0: Full service. Full
2: service. Full service radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer and continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a different guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses, so, whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So, today I am joined in the studio by John Moorhead. He is the uh, American Homebrewers Association National Homebrew Competition Director. And we are very excited to welcome back Katie Morisic. She is the Federal Affairs Manager of the Brewers Association. And for those of you who have been longtime fans of the show, she was my very first guest. So, thank you too for coming in on Monday. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. So uh, before we dive in, how was everyone's weekend?
3: It was great. Yeah? Yeah, we, uh, we judged some homebrew over the weekend and got to tour around D.C. for a little bit.
1: Yeah, it was a busy weekend. Where everybody's back. Holiday parties are happening. We had the homebrew competition. Uh, so a lot of fun, but... December
2: is always a crazy month from my perspective. For sure. So we'll dive into the homebrew competition a little bit later, but what are some uh, what are some beers that you guys had this weekend that were notable, that you would highly recommend? Uh, a lot of people were in from out of town
1: this week. Uh, Jeremy Dinner from Boulevard was in for a little bit, and Mike Sardina from Bissell Brothers up in Maine. Hung out with them. Uh, I had some really good beer. Uh, Bissell Brothers, Maine, I think people who have had the beer before know Swish. Double IPA with mosaic. I think citrus in there as well. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Surprisingly drinkable. Double IPA. And that
2: was their showcase at Church Key. Yep. Nice. Was,
1: yep. So that was a lot of fun. I also was up at Denizens, and they have something a Low County Common, mm-hmm. a brown sour, which I could have just drank
2: that beer all day. Nice. Denizens is killing it. Very cool. Shout out to Denizens. They've definitely been on the show a couple of times and have crushed it. So. Uh, how about you, John?
3: I uh, I was up in Rhode Island in Boston earlier this week, and mm-hmm. uh, I was trying to get my hands on some main beer company beer. So I also had a double IPA with Mosaic and Zitra. Um, dinner, limited release. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, can drink a lot of that, just like Katie was saying, very crushable yeah. for a double IPA, <laughs> which catches up to you quickly, but.
2: I think on Friday I saw a couple bottles still of lunch uh, at the H Street Beer Cellar still available. So, you know, get them while they're hot. Yeah.
1: Get lunch while it's hot. And for <laughs> those of you who don't know, Katie Merrissick's sister does work for Maine Beer Company.
2: <laughs> she is a treasure. She really is. She's aite. <laughs> <laughs> Um I had a really great beer uh, this weekend um, from Single Cut uh, Beersmiths out of Astoria, New York. Mm-hmm. I lived in Astoria. I have a I have a big uh, place in my heart for single cut and always will. So I'm a little biased towards those guys. Surprisingly enough, I did not have one of their many really delicious IPAs. Um, I had their sour lager um, that they added hibiscus and blackberries to. And they are using wheat malt. um, So it was like this really beautiful... Uh, kind of berry-colored beer with this, like, giant fluffy head that's get that's coming from the wheat malt. Um, so that was kind of cool. And it was interesting. I was drinking it as I was kind of... Well, as my husband was cooking dinner and I was, you know, not helping that much. Um, and it was, you know, great. It's a great kind of palate opener, you know, as an aperitif. And then as I drank it with the food, he made this, like, uh, really rich, hearty Korean stew. Um... And I was, it was one of those beer pairings gone wrong. I was like, oh, (laughs) sour, light sour lager with fruit notes does not go well with like this deep, rich, I mean, the stew just demolished it, like completely overpowered it. So
3: I have never had a soured lager before. So I'm very interested to know what that tastes like. Is it more sour or more lager?
2: More lager. I mean, it wasn't, it was not. It was not aggressively sour. If anything, it was more, like, kind of, like, tart and dry. It wasn't, like, sour, sour, for sure. It had, I mean, apparently, sorry, no, it wasn't blackberries with black currants, but, you know, it was definitely more hibiscus than anything. So, for sure. But it was this very, you know, beautiful little fluffy cloud on top, which was kind of nice. So, you two are here because there was uh, the annual Capitol Hill staff homebrew competition yesterday, so I'm I'm totally unfamiliar with this. Um, so you know, speak to me as as one would an idiot. Um, take me through, you know, what what this is, why you do it, and you know how it went down. I can start on the how it went down, okay. type thing. <laughs> um,
1: so I've been with the BA for a few years now, and to put in technical terms, I am their lobbyist, and I've gotten to know a lot of different facets of the industry that have. Come with being the lobbyist and representing brewers, and of course, the one thing that seems to connect all of us, myself included, is home brewing. Charlie Papazian wrote the book on home brewing, and you know he is—he is the guy. He's mm-hmm. the guy who is responsible for the Brewers Association and for so many of us having our passion. And we have the House and Senate Small Brewers Caucuses, and I'm always looking for different ways to educate members of Congress and staff about you know the different things that happen in the brewing industry and Gary Glass the director of the AHA came out one year to talk specifically about home brewing and there are you know some political things that come along with that home brewing itself was not made legal until 1978 when mm-hmm. it was signed into law by Jimmy Carter then we were talking about this earlier but I think 2013 was when the last state actually made it legal that was Was that Georgia? It was Mississippi. <sighs> Mississippi and Alabama, yeah. Um, So it's still sort of a fairly new thing for every state in the country for people to be able to legally do. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was kind of cool. And then I thought, nope, we should should do a competition. And that's where John ended up coming in. We decided that we wanted to see if we could get some of the people who are excited about beer homebrewing on the hill. And I think this is our third year that we've been doing this. And so far, it's been great.
3: I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I only entered the scene when Katie wanted someone to run the competition. <laughs> okay. And uh, we kind of talked about the idea of it um, mm-hmm. and kind of tried to figure out what would work and what wouldn't and how we would promote it and things like that. Um, we wanted to kind of get a good amount of PR around it as well. Um, I don't know. Have you ever seen the trophy that you get?
2: No. Recorded?
3: So you know the the bill from School of Rock?
2: Yeah. I'm the, just a bill sitting on Capitol yeah. Hill. So it's yeah. that okay
3: about this about three feet tall it's 3d and it says beer instead of bill as the pin oh nice it's amazing I mean, we'll show you a picture <laughs> later but...
1: i call him build a beer
2: build a beer <laughs> Oh, it's like a build a bond reference a little bit maybe no <laughs> um so okay so what does it what does it entail like how do you how do you how do you do this who so, can enter
3: um, so anyone who works on Capitol Hill, it's mm-hmm. kind of what we narrowed it down to is we didn't want to restrict it to just, uh, staffers of offices. Um, of course, plenty of them enter and are interested in it, but, um, you know, police officers on Capitol Hill, anyone, uh, people who work in the cloakroom, um, janitor, anyone who works, any employee is able to join the, uh, the competition. Um, last year we had a, capitol hill police officer win actually uh, got him to show up to uh accept his award um and uh yeah you know it's just a way to spread you know homebrewing is not restricted to anyone so opening up to anyone who works on capitol hill kind of goes hand in hand with just the spirit of homebrewing and um we had 22 entries this year mm-hmm. um which is 22 different you know offices joining the competition so Either they brew as an individual or join as a team of their office, um, and uh, it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun with it, especially the award ceremony, calling people out to uh, come accept their their ribbon or a big award.
1: Yeah, and you think that it would be a lot of the Pacific Northwest offices who are really doing all of the entries, but mm-hmm. they're from all over. I think the guy who won first year worked for a member down in Louisiana, so oh. we see people from all over who are participating in the competition, which I think is super cool. We were also excited to hear like one of the other reasons that we were really pushing to do it was to get people excited about homebrewing. And yesterday we were talking with uh, Sarah Bondolini from the D.C. Homebrewers, and she said that some Hill staffers showed up at their meeting. Oh, and that they had awesome. heard about the competition. They'd also been to our homebrew on the hill day, mm-hmm. which is, we did that. That was a fun excursion that we tried this year where we actually did a homebrew on the house side and the Senate side. Cause we wanted people to be able to stop by and learn about what it takes to homebrew. Uh, but they, they heard about it from that. They tried brewing a beer. Apparently it wasn't very good, but they wanted to learn more and how to brew a good beer. So getting people excited about it was really cool. Um, And the more, for me, the more that they understand about brewing, the easier it is to do my job.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So what are the, what are the rules as far as, um, so you, you mentioned that people can do individual entries, people can do a team entry. Um, is there a particular style that they have to do or what are the, what are the parameters they have to follow?
3: Yeah. Um, really not many. Okay. (laughs) Um, there's a, I mean, the beer judge certification program has their style guideline and, Any style that they can, you know, brood in that style guideline is acceptable to the competition. And then it's kind of up to us to figure out how we want to group things together for our categories. Because, you know, we could have 22 entries that are all different styles. (laughs) We got to try to figure out what goes well with each other and um, figure out what should be judged with each other. And uh, so we had three categories this year. Um, Yeah, so not, not too many Other than you have to be an employee on -hmm. the hill and uh, and then just register your entry so we know it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, yeah, it's uh, it's very easy to enter. And, um, you know, we kind of keep registration open for a while um, to allow people to kind of figure out what they'd like to do. And then maybe about a two week drop off window at a this year was at Blue Jacket Brewing down in the Navy Yard. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where we did the judging as well. Um, Yeah. So very easy to enter. Or try to make it easy to enter, at least.
2: Yeah, like an all-inclusive kind mm-hmm. of situation. Yeah. Now, for those of you just tuning in, I'm sitting down with Katie Murasek. She's the Federal Affairs Manager from the Brewers Association. And John Moorhead, he is the American Home Brewers Association National Homebrew Competition Manager. I said I was going to demote you slowly yeah, throughout so, this. So we started as director, working. and now yeah. we're going to manager. I'm um, for the end. <laughs> you're just going to be John, this guy. Um, so... Okay, so we've we've got the rules down in that there are not that many rules. Um, you can be an individual, you can be as a group. Um, what? Uh, who are the judges? Are you allowed to share who the judges are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, who absolutely. are the judges?
3: Uh, we so we get some certified judges uh, mm-hmm. from the beer judge certification program, uh, usually national or up, um, just to kind of make sure that we're giving that feedback that the entrants are going to want so badly, um, as well as some professional judges as well. So we had roe Gwenzel from he's the brewmaster at uh, blue jacket brewing and then josh chapman who also used to work at blue jacket who now works at black narrow
2: yeah uh, uh josh actually just recently did a show oh. um did a fantastic job uh so definitely check out that episode and for listeners out there who haven't heard um his his episode was especially good and one of these days we'll get roe on here he's awesome yeah yeah both of them are fantastic yeah.
3: So they were great to have as, uh, as judges and, you know, kind of bring their side of brewing into the homebrew world. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, it was a really easy morning, just one flight, each, each pair, each judge is paired with another one and they will do an entire category of six or seven beers and they'll award, they'll award for a second and third. And nice. then each winner from each category will go on to what is the best of show that will get that awesome, uh. What, what did you call it, Katie? Build-a-beer? <laughs> Build-a-beer.
2: Build-a-beer. <laughs> build
1: um, yeah, I mean, it's run, if I'm, if I'm right, it's run the same way that you run a national homebrew competition. Yeah. I mean, Just on a yeah. much more managed right. scale. On <laughs> a, a much smaller scale. But we want to make sure that they're getting the same professionalism that we give in other competitions, too. So, like John said, they get great feedback. From certified judges, from professional brewers, and hopefully that lets them know it, you know we're taking it seriously, but of
2: course also having fun, having which is fun. the most important thing. So even if they don't place, they're still getting criticism or constructive mm-hmm. criticism um, from all of the judges so that they know kind of what to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now for your typical homebrew uh, competition, these judges are judging a lot more. Entries, can you give our listeners kind of an idea of what that looks like? Quickly. Yeah,
3: yeah. So if you're having a competition, you know, say you have 100 entries in a competition, which, you know, is going to require a little bit more organizing or, you know, something as big as National Homework Competition, which is up to 750 entries mm-hmm. in a competition site, um, you're going to have a variety of categories and those entry counts in each category. So say American IPA, you could have 50 entries in that and you wouldn't want, two pair or a pair of judges judging 50 (laughs) entries in a day no cruel and unusual so um you would put over uh multiple panels of judges on that category so you keep them within you know eight entries or so of their flight and um those panels of judges would then choose their best few entries that they would want to move on to the next round so um say you and i are judging sarah and then we want to push on two entries that we you know really think exemplify american ipa and then say uh, Katie is judging with someone else, she still puts her on two entries as well. And um, then you'll kind of narrow down the field until you get to one, two, and three. Wow. It's very, yeah, It's it sounds complicated. <laughs> it's kind of complicated. It's kind of
2: complicated. And you guys, you have both been judges for different... Competitions. I
1: have never been a judge. I've been a steward. And okay. I was going to make the pitch. If you guys hear that a craft brewers conference or American homebrew, a homebrew con is mm-hmm. coming to your city, look into volunteering to be a steward to help with something like that. The competitions are, it's amazing to see how well it's run. Okay. But you also learn so much because for me, I got to... You know, sit in the room and get water or matzo when they needed it, mm-hmm. uh, and just, you know, provide the judges with what they needed, but then also get to hear them talking about the beer and judging the beer. You learn so much just from being a part of that.
2: Oh, that is a great tip for sure. And I didn't realize they used matzo. It's matzo,
3: right? Matzah or yeah. bread or yeah. bread oyster crackers. So, yeah. There's actually available. a bread
2: basket that comes. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just thought that was, you know, apt for yeah. the holiday <laughs> and everything, you know. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We're going to try uh, some of these homebrews. brews. <laughs> Welcome back to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recording live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane, and I'm joined today by Katie Murisick, the Federal Affairs Manager of the Brewers Association and Beer Me's very first guest, Uh, And John Moorhead, he is the American Homebrewers Association National Homebrew Competition Coordinator. That's right. I am slowly demoting him bit by bit throughout the show. Um, So we um, he's really the director. Um, So we are actually we have some uh, of the beer from the homebrew competition that you guys just did on the Hill uh, yesterday. This is with the uh, Hill Staff Homebrew Competition. Um, And so what are we what are we trying here?
3: trying a uh, what is entered as a specialty IPA okay um, I believe it's a black IPA I was
2: gonna say because this is this is very 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 deep deep brown <laughs> it's is, it
3: is not a normal looking IPA yeah <laughs> um, can't say too much more about it because I don't want to okay. reveal too much information as far as uh, you know who might have entered it or how it did but um, yeah we thought we'd bring over some uh, some of the entries from the competition to to have you try and Drinking some congressional homebrew right now.
2: Yeah, I know. I love it. So when do do you announce the winners? On December
1: 11th. Uh, So one of the things that we do on the Hill Mm -hmm. is with 7,000 breweries out there, I believe we are down to only three congressional districts that do not currently have their own brewery. We try and bring beer from all over the country so people can try it. Mm -hmm. And we have our annual holiday reception on December 11th. So we're going to have breweries, uh, breweries from across the country there bringing beer, and then we're also going to have the award ceremony. Okay. Uh, another thing that we do is we bring the leftover homebrew for people to try as well. So there's a booth set up where they can come and they can try, you know, their coworkers' beer that they made, give them a little bit of feedback. We're also doing a uh, House versus Senate competition. Mm-hmm. Those beers that we made when we did the homebrew on the Hill, we are going to have them there to serve, and people can vote for which one they like best.
2: Nice. Nice. Have you tried them yet? I have not. John, have you okay. tried
3: them? Yes, I have. Do you the, have a
2: favorite? You don't have to share the favorite, but just know I have a favorite. you do have a favorite. Okay.
3: But did, you won't know my favorite until the 11th.
2: <laughs> did they do like wildly different styles? Yes. Okay.
3: I could probably reveal those, right? Yeah, you can reveal those. A little size. sneak okay. preview. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we did an oatmeal stout. Okay. And a tangerine pale ale. All
2: right. Yeah. Wildly different styles. Yes.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, they both turned out really well. They'll be... Uh, Served with a little voting, uh, voting booth area we'll mm-hmm. with a raffle, and um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see who wins.
2: So, John, I'm going to assume that you have done your fair share of home brewing. Yes. Okay. Just you
3: know, it's fair covered, assumptions. Cover my bases
2: yeah. yes. here. <laughs> um, I don't know. You're the you know American Homebrewers Association National Homebrew Competition uh, Assistant. So I don't I don't <laughs> know at this point. Um, so. <laughs> This, uh, this beer here that we're drinking, so it's a black IPA. Um, and as a home brewer, what are some things that you have to be careful about with a beer like this, with this particular style? Um, you know, what are some things you got to kind of yeah. look out for to avoid it, you know, from going up, astray. from going astray, right? Little, this is, this yeah. is, this is great. This is solid, but yeah. what are, what are some things that you really got to keep an eye out for with this particular style? I would look
3: at, um, so this kind of style, you know, you want to make it a black IPA so you're going to need some some dark malt in there mm-hmm. and with that dark malt you can have you can impose some astringency that you definitely don't want in a beer like this um, so balancing that effect with your overall grain bill and um, choosing the right kind of hop profile to uh, kind of balance that overall grain as well so really looking at I'm, a lot of i've made a black IPA and it was astringent. <laughs> so this is all from personal experience. <laughs> and uh, it was definitely came down to the, the roast malt that I was using. So either chocolate malt or a black patent or something like that. that okay. To make it dark but not to overdo it with that. Um, is, you know, tweaking with that batch after batch. So that, okay. that would that would be my... Personal experience.
2: Yeah. I feel like homebrewing is like a, like a golf game. Like you're just slowly tweaking like one tiny little thing to like, try to get that, you know, try to get that good swing. It's a really
3: good analogy. Cause I I do that in golf. I'm
2: trying, I'm, I'm, (laughs) you (laughs) know, for the past, like an embarrassing amount of time, I've been trying to learn how to play golf and I love it because of that kind of like personal struggle you know, where like you're kind of constantly punishing yourself, knowing that you are a failure. You know, like,
3: right. but you still continue. on you still on keep with doing it. Knowledge. It's like
2: being yeah. in the restaurant industry. Yeah. It's the same kind of. It's the same kind of Analogy
3: after analogy. Yeah,
2: like I'm going to go in every day, and it's going to be terrible, but I'm going to keep doing it. Do you <laughs> um, also make your mind totally blank when you're homebrewing too, the way I do when I'm golfing?
1: Right.
3: Yes. <laughs>
2: But I feel like, yeah, you're making, like, little adjustments. All right, I'm going to hold my hands just a little bit differently. I'm going to hold my shoulder a little bit differently. Right. and So I feel like homebrewing is, like, just constantly tweaking these, yeah. like, little And snippets. you want to be
3: making notes of that, you know, just like you're making mental notes in golf about how you're swinging or falling through or your hand position, you know, in brewing. You want to make those notes about what temperatures you were hitting at what location and... Um, you know your grain bill and what you might change and not change so you can really dial in that those tweaks and not be guessing on, and try to narrow down the variables of those so
1: nice homebrewing and golf i also drink when mm-hmm. i'm doing both of those things there's yeah. the time right and there, there. <laughs> is sort of i think there's that same thing too like two beers and you're in that relaxed state your swing's mm-hmm. going really good Anything more than that while you're homebrewing and you don't connect a hose right and your black IPA turns into a sessionable beer. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that is an important thing. You always want to be relaxing and, you know, things are going to turn out well one way or the other. So not being overworked and overstressed. And, you know, as Charlie, our, our godfather says, you know, relax, don't worry, have a homebrew. So
2: that's a good like life policy too. A great like life not policy. just not just homebrewing, but life policy. So. Uh, Katie, have you so you have you found this to be uh, this uh, homebrew competition to be as effective as you want it to be? I can always say that things can be better for okay. sure, but so far I
1: think it's been great because we do have new people participating every year, mm-hmm. and the people from the years before participating again. Like anything. I mean, it, it is an endeavor. We live in Washington, D.C. People have what, studios or one bedroom apartments. Yeah. So, our thing is to make it as accessible as possible, mm-hmm. connecting them with their local home brewing clubs, saying, like, hey, you know, this guy knows how to brew beer. If you haven't done it before, they're happy to help you. Uh, and I think that we're going to continue to see it grow successfully. People love that trophy i love the trophy that's a great yeah no Um, the description's amazing but we do it's not just this event where we have people try homebrew Mm -hmm. we also do a reception in uh june around our hill climb and we've started asking different dc homebrew clubs or maryland or virginia homebrew clubs to come and participate to share some homebrew with us so people can get used to like sort of equating those two things together okay so many people in the brewing industry started out you know as home brewers, yeah, and I think that's something that we we want to acknowledge and we want to celebrate that history, especially this year since it's the 40th anniversary of the American Home
2: Brewers Association. Nice, yeah. you know? I just joined actually, all right, that yeah, excellent like news. two months ago. Um, because I have you know space now to actually brew in my house, yeah, so it's kind of nice,
3: yeah, and you know, there are a variety of other things that you get to. You get the magazine, obviously, yes. Energy? Yeah. And then um, member deals as well, so mm-hmm. a variety of discounts at bars and homebrew shops and breweries and things of that nature, so... Um, I think we have over 2,000 deals on that, on Brew Guru app. Oh, um, yeah,
2: the Brew Guru app that you get with the membership. Yeah. And the membership's not expensive. It's like 40 bucks. Yeah, yeah, okay? 38 for and a you, digital, yeah. you also get the, um, so you get the magazine, yep. um, which is an amazing magazine, and the articles in there are fantastic. So you get the magazine, you get all these different deals on uh, BrewGuru um there are all these different events that always kind of pop up in my email now which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh so and there's it's just this really really great resource plus yeah. you know you're, you know, part of an organization that's like out there doing good things. Yeah. So. I, think,
3: I think we just also passed the 1000 recipes on our website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um with either award-winning recipes from national homebrew competition or, you know, clone recipes that we're getting from breweries that want to, you know, provide their recipe for homebrewers. Um yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, great resources, and continue to also advocate for homebrewers' rights at you know the state and federal level. So,
1: is that clone the clone article coming out soon? Did that come out already? Like it is,
3: uh, it's coming out uh, very soon. I think. Yeah, it's we really finally cool. have all fifty-one <laughs> states plus DC.
1: That's why, yeah, yeah, that's why I like AHA. They always remember DC when they're getting stuff yeah. <laughs> all, from all fifty states. <laughs> I it's appreciate that. Scene. Really.
2: Um, would really like to be a state, <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: <right. laughs> but yeah, there it's clone recipes from breweries in every state across the country and DC, and it's a great way to, you know, try some of those beers you never had before. I think I was looking at last year's and it's like, oh, Pliny the Elder's on here. Yeah. I'll just quick mm. brew up my own batch.
2: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you two so much for uh, coming by and sharing this really cool thing that you're doing on the hill. That's amazing, yeah. um, and thank you for sharing the homebrew. Very, very delicious. Lots of information uh, for you all. If you have any questions, if there's anything that you need, uh, feel free to reach out to me at uh, beermeradio at gmail.com. Follow the podcast wherever you normally get podcasts. Also, I know you only listen to my show, but full-service radio is filled with so many amazing shows. Uh, for example, there is the Tidbit. So this is hosted by Kim Bryden. she's the CEO of Curate. And basically every week she sits down with uh, guest experts and shares trending news and topics on food, business, and culture. And they discuss tidbits of knowledge around starting and running a small business with a food and beverage lens. So... I uh, appreciate her puns, uh, <laughs> and whatnot. So definitely check out some other shows on Full Service Radio. We've got a quite a rainbow. Um, also, uh, at the end of this, sh- at the end of this episode here, there's going to be a little blurb, uh, and this is some coverage from uh, Snallagaster. So this is an event that I went to, and, and we did an episode about it in October uh, with Greg Engert, the um, managing partner and beer director at Neighborhood Restaurant Group. Now, this uh, coverage is a little windy, admittedly. It was a really stunning day with sunshine and just a light breeze, but that light breeze comes up a little uh, crazy on the microphone, so bear with us here. But I kick off the coverage uh, with an interview with Eric Bergman. Uh, He is the Director of Operations and Managing Partner for Neighborhood Restaurant Group and Uh, definitely is kind of the man behind the monster that is Snallagaster, really working out all those crazy details. And I'm pretty sure he didn't sleep at all the entire week. Uh, So he kicks off uh, that. And then there are some other interviews with some of the brewers and participants. So enjoy some Snallagaster coverage. So you shut down four blocks of Pennsylvania Avenue for a beer festival in Washington, D.C. How does that feel?
4: Uh, it feels pretty amazing. I got to say, like, it feels like we are at the grown-up table finally. Uh, not to say anything bad about the yards, but it's a little bit of an evolution. Just vibing on uh, a lot of uh, endorphins right now. I mean, this is really exciting. It's uh, I couldn't be happier with the size of the crowd, the size of the space, and how comfortable it is right now. It's really incredible. Only thing I wish is some more money to buy chairs and seating for people because I know I need one.
2: (laughs) So I've talked to a lot of brewers, um, a lot of guests here. Um, You know, they just know that this event is run well. Um, and they, you know, again and again, they've said, you know, there's just things that we don't have to worry about because we know that it's already been taken care of. What are some like major things that you take care of for the brewers that, you know, maybe for some other festivals they have to worry about more?
4: Yeah, I want to give credit to the beer team on that. I mean, that's Greg Angered, uh, obviously the managing partner of the of the group as well, and beer director for for all of our locations. And Tim Liu, his uh, faithful assistant. I mean, honestly, the the detail. Uh, that goes into this festival is, is, is mind-boggling. They think of everything, and honestly, they keep getting better every year. I don't know how they keep getting better, but they keep thinking of new ways to improve. It's about having equipment ready. It's about having lists ready. Uh, Tim's addicted to spreadsheets, and he does it all that way. I mean, honestly, I've never seen someone so uh, uh, dedicated to perfection and come so close to pulling it off. It's always a pinch at the end, about an hour before you open. Everyone's running around. Tension gets a little high. But man, I tell you, this is the smoothest it's ever been. I'm I'm just really impressed by them. It's all credit due to them, honestly. They've done all the the legwork on that.
2: Have you treated yourself to a beer yet?
4: Absolutely not. If I did that, it'd be the end of the day. I gotta gotta do some uh, transporting of equipment, but trust me, there's plenty in my future later.
2: Awesome. What are you you excited to kind of unwind with?
4: Uh, The closest thing to me, (laughs) frankly. Uh, But honestly, I'm gonna end up back at Blue Jacket. Uh, I know I'm... uh, you know, touting my own uh, my own brand, but uh, I couldn't be happier with the beers coming out of there right now. So one of the new IPAs, like Distant Morning, is gonna go down quite easily when I get over
3: there.
2: That sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate you taking the time.
3: Thanks, Eric. These types of festivals are, like, where it's at, in my opinion, because you have a discerning
2: customer. People don't show up here to get, like, a pint glass of beer and get drunk. I mean, people are coming here to, like, expand their palates, to learn more about beer, uh, to try the things they haven't tried before. Um, So it's it's cool to deal with that level of customer, and it's really cool to interact with them on a one-on-one basis. I mean, every time they come up, you're getting really, like, second level like questions like what type of yeast are' you using what type of hops you're using you know what type of techniques you know when you use the you use the brute style you're using enzymes you're using champagne you're something really like cool like next level type stuff and it's your, it's a great opportunity to really just touch the customer let them know what you're about let them know what type of
3: beers you're trying to do I love it it's
2: a your time with Dan Bronson from single cup Brewery out of the finest uh, story of Queens Woo! <laughs> welcome to Snallygaster. How's it going for you so
0: far? It's going great, man. Snallygaster is one of those uh, events that we legitimately look forward to all year long. I'm not just saying that to be nice. We actually love this festival. It's incredibly well run. Uh, the clientele who come here are both really like interested in getting to try new things, but also really interested in getting to talk to us. You know, Talk about our story. Uh, you know, really, at the end of the day, that's what craft beer is really all about. Great liquid and great story. You know, you can go and get these really, really sought after beers, which are great. People make a hobby about it and it's like, it's a whole culture. Um, but you can buy amazing beer just on the shelf. Um, I always kind of like to say like, you know, the difference between that best beer on the shelf and the best beer that you go out to go get at a brewery. Um, the difference in quality there is I think probably within the margin of error of the, the quality you get by, you know, having a beer by yourself versus having a beer with like great friends. You know, it's, um, we're getting to that point now where kind of like experience is really defining, uh, the drinking experience.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, no, I, I... No, no, it's good, it's good. It's you, good know, you know, basically, you know, the beers that you stand in line for are great, um, but you could have a beer that is you know just as good in quality or, or maybe just a smidge and less in quality but if you're having it in a really exciting or memorable experience you're kind of still getting on that level the, the margin of you know difference in you know between these beers is experience
0: yeah for sure um for you know kind of guests who want great beer but maybe aren't drawn to that hobby of going out and hunting things it's an exceptional time because you can legitimately find equal quality on the shelf in a high-end store, as long as it's cold and it's fresh, obviously. let see,
2: here's chatting with Dan Larges from Jester King Brewery out of Austin, Texas. Uh, he is a taproom manager as well as an engineer, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, wears many, many hats for the brewery. Uh, thank you so much for taking a moment to chat. Thanks for having me. So for the listeners of the show that have... You know, been dedicated and listened to every episode, you know that I have a deep, deep, deep love uh, for all things Jester King. I've gone every single time I have been to Austin, Texas, uh, and Le Petit Prince is by far and away one of my favorite beers of all time.
3: Those are the right words to say. That's definitely the staff favorite.
2: For listeners who don't know, Le Petit Prince is their farmhouse sale. It's 2.8? 9. 2.9. 2. Oh. close. Getting, getting a little zesty here, yeah. So what are some beers that you're really excited about?
3: Ooh, I had a Blackberry and Boysenberry Sour from Creature, Comfort, Creature Comforts. The name's escaping me at, off the top of my head. And
2: this is Creature Comforts in Athens, Georgia?
3: That is correct. It was amazing. It really blew me away. And I also just had a Blue Jacket Lager with my lunch, and that was like... The perfect quencher. It fits, fits the hole that Petit Prince has created in my soul. <laughs>